Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. No one likes having their authority challenged or subverted, whether it be academic authority, relational authority, organizational authority, legal authority, or even spiritual authority. In today's Bible passage, Jesus faced an authority challenge. He was opposed and rejected in a public confrontation by the religious leaders at the temple and in a perplexing conversation leading to questions on politics. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? On theology, is the resurrection of the dead a hope that people can hold on to? Ethics, which of God's commandment is the greatest commandment? Jesus faced an authority challenge. In our world today, we face an authority challenge too. Many think that everything is relative, that God is dead, and therefore question who ultimately decides what's right and what's wrong. Please turn with me to your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33, as we read God's Word together. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from men? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray together. Our eternal God and Father, as we open your life-giving Holy Scriptures, may we listen attentively and submit fully to the authority of your Word and for your Holy Spirit to do His work in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The narrative begins with the most authoritative body in Israel, the Sanhedrin confronting Jesus about his authority in the most authoritative place, the temple, which the Sanhedrin consider themselves has been authorized by God to safeguard. In today's authorities challenge, we will learn that Jesus' authority is authenticated by his fruitful works and affirmed by his faithful witness. Let's look at the first proof, authenticated by his fruitful works. The issue of Jesus' authority was a matter of great concern to the Sanhedrin council, comprising of the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. 
They saw themselves as licensed by heaven to rule over God's temple and to challenge Jesus with two questions. The first question, by what authority are you doing all these things? Literally, they were asking Jesus, what kind of authority are you doing these things? The word authority, exousia in Greek, is repeated four times in this short passage. It refers to conferred or delegated power or authorized right to direct the actions or thoughts of others. The root idea of authority is directing the actions of others. William Onken Jr. in a 1970 Colorado Institute of Technology journal gives four essentials of authority. Firstly, the authority of competence. The more competent you are, the more confident others will think of you as an authority in a matter under consideration. Number two, the authority of position. And this gives you the right to tell someone, do it or else, and it will move many in an office into action. Number three, the authority of personality. The easier it is for the other person to talk to you, to listen to you, or to even work with you, the easier the person will find it to respond to your desires. Number four, the authority of character. This is your integrity, reliability, honesty, loyalty, sincerity, personal morals, and your ethics. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked Jesus. You can almost sense the bluntness and sternness in the voices of the religious leaders seeking to destroy Jesus. These things in Mark 11 verse 28 do not refer to Jesus' authority in his teachings, his authority over demons, disasters, diseases, and even death, nor the authority to forgive sins. In his context of this passage, these things refer to Jesus' second cleansing of the temple in Mark 11 verses 15 to 17. Jesus performed this provocative act because of the exorbitant fees charged for offerings in the temple, which prevented the poor from worshipping the Lord. By commercialising the sacrifices, they marginalised the poor and allowed only the rich to perform what was required by every Jew in the temple. Here Jesus exercised his compassionate authority on behalf of the poor and marginalised. The religious leaders asked Jesus the second question, and who gave you this authority to do these things. So self-proclaimed Messiah Jesus, which seminary did you graduate from with your Masters of Divinity? Galilee? Which church did you serve in? How many years of ministry do you have under your belt? Who are your mentors or professors? Who do you think you are? Who gave you the right to come in here and make all these changes. The religious leaders wanted to trap Jesus into either saying, I did it by my own authority, so that they could accuse Jesus of being a rebel against the established religious leadership and thus persuade the people around 
not to follow Jesus anymore. Or for Jesus to say, I received my authority from God the Father as the Messiah God's Son so that they could accuse Jesus of blasphemy and persuade people to put Jesus to death for committing a dreadful sin. Despite Jesus' authority authenticated by His fruitful works, the religious leaders could not see that He was the Son of God and rejected His authority. If anything, these religious leaders should have been the first group of people to recognise and to respond to Jesus' authority. But they were the greatest opposition to His authority. Who would you expect to welcome Jesus, the King of all kings, as He enters the temple in Jerusalem? Of course, the religious leaders who should know better. It's like if Jesus walked into this place, shouldn't the pastors and leaders of the church welcome Jesus into the sanctuary? Of course, but it was not the case. How did the leaders of God's people completely miss the Messiah when he entered the temple? To the extent that he even challenged his authority as the Messiah himself. How could they be so blind to not see the authority of Jesus after his fruitful works? We too can be like these religious leaders. We may have even tasted His goodness, received His grace, experienced His presence, enjoyed His powerful acts of deliverance and intervention. And yet, in spite of all of Jesus' fruitful works in our lives, we may even fear to recognize and see His authority over our lives, over our marriage, over our families, over our church, over our nation, and even over this world. One of the greatest weapons Satan uses is spiritual blindness. Blinding laser weapons are weapons that are designed to blind soldiers on the field of battle. Its desired effect was to injure or to dizzy the eyes of enemy combatants. By seeking to blind the enemy, they render them unable to fight. It makes a lot of sense that a soldier doesn't have to be destroyed in order to be rendered useless. Blinding them is enough. Similarly, Satan doesn't have to get rid of us to take us out of the spiritual battle. All he needs to do is to render us useless by blinding us to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What led to spiritual blindness for the religious leaders? Perhaps knowledge without revelation. The religious leaders knew the scriptures in the Old Testament very well. They read it, memorized it, taught it, even preached it. But they knew the law but not the Lord. They live a religion, but had no spiritual reality. The second reason for their spiritual blindness is the hardness of heart. They were unwilling to listen, unwilling to be broken before God. They were stiff-necked. And these are what led to spiritual blindness for the religious leaders. 
What about us? Where we struggle with spiritual blindness, even as the people of God. Perhaps we have been burnt, disappointed, betrayed by a very bad and negative experience before. But now we have mastered the art of closing a part of our heart and keeping God at a distance. Spiritual blindness extinguishes whatever light there is in our heart and whatever trust we have in our God. Beware of spiritual blindness. Our relationship with a very real and very good God is everything in our discipleship journey. Only an intimate relationship with Jesus continually tenderizes our hearts, inoculating us from spiritual blindness. In today's spiritual challenge, we see Jesus' authority authenticated by His fruitful works. And then secondly, affirmed by His faithful witness. We find this in verses 29 to verses 33. Everything that needs to be known about the authority of Jesus can be summed up in one event, the baptism of John. It was at this baptism by John that the heavens were parted. The spirit of power descended on Jesus and a voice from heaven declared, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. In Mark 1, verse 1, 9-11. The baptism of Jesus was the event that inaugurated his authority, his conscious oneness with the Father, and his sovereign empowerment by the Spirit for ministry, that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. This was the essence of Jesus' counter-question to the religious leaders. The Jewish law in those days stipulates that a fact is to be confirmed by two or three weaknesses. Jesus had more than two or three weaknesses. Witness one. Jesus had the witness of God the Father. You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. Witness two. Jesus had the witness of God the Spirit through the ministry and the miracles of Jesus. Witness number three. Jesus had his own witness as he fulfilled the Scriptures. Witness number four. Jesus had the witness of John the Baptist the voice in the wilderness prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. The Jewish law needed two or three witnesses to validate what constitutes a credible witness. Jesus had four. Such witnesses prove without a shadow of doubt that Jesus had the authority to do what he did. And so Jesus posed to the religious questions here, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? To which Jesus firmly challenged the religious not once but twice, answer me, answer me, demonstrating his authority. The religious leaders were caught in a dilemma and debated among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from men? They did not want to affirm Jesus' authority 
and oppose the people who revered John as a prophet from God. So the best answer they could give was, we do not know. Jesus was a threat to the authority, which was really a man-appointed authority. The attacks on Jesus proved one thing. The religious leaders were not interested in the truth at all. They were only concerned in evading the truth, continuing in their prideful and self-righteous dominance over the Jewish people. What do we learn about the religious leaders? Despite Jesus' faithful witness, they were too proud to accept Jesus' authority. The spiritual pride in them led them to be more concerned about the praises of men than the approval of God. Spiritual pride gripped their hearts. What made them sound spiritually proud? In this Bible passage, their spiritual pride was expressed in how they protected their reputation as religious leaders in the land. They led by popularity rather than by godly principles. How do we grow as disciples with a heart of humility rather than spiritual pride in our discipleship pilgrimage? As human beings, we know we are sick by the symptoms we have. Here are some symptoms of spiritual pride. Comparing oneself with others, eagerness to point out and talk about others' sins, boasting of one's spiritual exploits and gifts, having a critical attitude and judgmental spirit, seeking the praise of men. If you are hearing this list of symptoms of spiritual pride and you're thinking some of these are describing me, then you're most likely in a very good place. But in hearing this list of symptoms of spiritual pride, pride, you think it does not sound like you at all. But in fact, you're thinking it sounds like my boss, my spouse, my CG leader, my son, daughter, pastor. Then be careful. Beware of spiritual pride. The Puritan Jonathan Edwards said this of spiritual pride. Spiritual pride tends to speak of other person's sin with bitterness or with laughter, and levity and an air of contempt. But pure Christian humility rather tends either to be silent about these problems or to speak of them with grief and pity. Spiritual pride is very apt to suspect others, but a humble Christian is most guarded about himself. He's as suspicious of nothing in the world as he is of his own heart. The proud person is apt to find fault with other believers, that they are low in grace, and to be much in observing how cold and dead they are, and to be quick to note their deficiencies. But the humble Christian has so much to do at home and sees so much evil in his own heart. And he's so concerned about it that he is not apt to be very busy with other hearts. He's apt to esteem others better than himself. You know, last week at our church celebration of our first worship centre at Bukit Panjang 20th anniversary, 
It was so inspiring to hear the powerful story of one of our members, Kenny. It started 19 years ago when his sister and father came to know Jesus as a result of coming to church. There was such a big change and transformation in the father's life. Kenny's father used to be a very sad and bitter person in life. But overnight, Kenny said, I saw my father change now to become such a joyful person, something Kenny deeply wished for his father. He tried all means to make his father happy, but it was all in vain. Kenny found his newfound faith in Jesus Christ 17 years ago in 2013 as a result of seeing that change in his father's life. And Jesus broke the power of his own spiritual blindness and his own spiritual pride in his life. And for the first time, he acknowledged and he accepted Jesus' authority in his life as Saviour and Lord. And Kenny began to bring his wife and his two daughters to our church. And in 2015, what a joy, the whole entire family were baptised together. But the story did not end there. Kenny continued to invite his extended family and friends to every Hokkien evangelistic outreach opportunities. And soon, one by one, and a total of 25 family members and friends around Kenny in his natural sphere of influence, prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of their lives. What a story of God's work in their life. Today, Jesus' authority has been challenged. Jesus claims to be God, the one who made and uphold the universe, the one who will judge and consummate it, the one who has authority over your life and my life as the one who made us the one who is our God and our Lord. And without a shadow of doubt, Jesus' authority is authenticated by His fruitful works and secondly affirmed by His faithful witness that indeed He is the Son of the living God. What do we do with the antidote of spiritual blindness and spiritual pride? What is it that will make a difference in our discipleship journey? There once was an extraordinary good sailor whose thoughts were often overlooked, but he eventually became a sea captain. He endured a number of close calls at sea where his ship either was close to sinking or his men were washed overboard. In these difficult moments, he would cry out, God, have mercy! On a voyage from Africa to England in 1748, God's grace intervened. A terrible storm arose as the fury of the waves threatened to capsize the ship. The sea captain searched the bookshelves in his cabin for something to take his mind off his fear. He snatched up a copy of The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, a 15th century Dutch monk. The sea eventually grew calm and experience changed his life forever. This former sea captain was eventually ordained as an Anglican minister in 1764. And over the next 40 years, he wrote hundreds of hymns, including the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. 
And the famous line, once I was blind, but now I see. And not long before John Newton died at the age of 82, Newton said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember only two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. We can learn from John Newton's example that in his heart, there was such a sense of brokenness before the Lord to recognise the great gravity of his own sin and to recognise the glorious kindness and love of the Saviour. Not to see the glory of our own selves, but to see our broken pieces and to humbly bring them before the Lord. My friends today, do we want our eyes to be open and to break free from every spiritual blindness and spiritual pride? The Bible tells us that the authority of Jesus broke every divide and brought humanity in unity with Him. All of us are guilty before God. We are sinners and cannot save ourselves. Our sin has to be dealt with. But thanks be to God, Jesus has God in the flesh died to pay the penalty for our sins and then arose from the dead. No other religious leaders has the authority to offer what Jesus provides in His victory over sin and death. And God loves us enough to come and take care of the biggest problem in our lives, not COVID-19 virus, but the virus of sin in our life. And only Jesus has the authority to set us free from our spiritual blindness and our spiritual pride. Only Jesus has the authority to forgive our sin. Let's pray. Father, as we close our time together, would you in your loving but firm authority Make deep personal application of your word in our lives today. That the Holy Spirit will now take the word of God to do the work of God in our hearts. Those gathered here on site or online, they belong to you as kingdom people because you have all authority as Lord and Master of our lives. As we close our eyes and bow before the Lord, Many of you may have heard of Jesus many times. But if you do not know Jesus personally, would you turn to Jesus today, to the very God who has all authority in heaven and on earth? And it will be personal, it will be real, authentic, and from your own hearts. If you don't recall a time in your life where you have asked Jesus to come into your heart, Jesus, who has all authority to forgive your sins, would you make him today your personal saviour? This is what Jesus meant when he said, unless you are born again, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You need a spiritual birth from above. If you want that and you're willing and ready to give your life to Jesus right here, right now, or maybe some of you have strayed away from the Lord. You need to come back home and give Jesus once again 
the authority to every arena of your life. As we are praying and our heads are bowed, would you raise your hand to Jesus right now and say yes to Jesus today who has all authority over all the plans and destiny of your life. Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you today. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Friends, you are not here by accident. The Lord drew you to Him. Would you say this sincere prayer with me to ask Jesus into your heart right now? Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe Jesus, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, came and died for my sins and rose from the dead. I now turn from my sin and turn to you as my Saviour and follow you as my Master. Fill me with the Holy Spirit today and help me to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, God's righteousness revealed, the Son of Man, the Son of kingdom comes Jesus redemption sacrifice now glorified now justified his kingdom
There are two reflection questions you can discuss with your families and friends in your small group. Question one. When Jesus' authority was questioned by the religious leaders, he counters with a question. Why were they unable to answer Jesus' question? Question two. No question is more important than that of Jesus' authority. How is Jesus' authority manifest in your life today? And now will you, with open arms and open hearts, receive the Lord's benediction? Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, both now and forevermore. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.